How are we doing? Awesome. It's good to see you here today. Thanks for coming to church. I don't know. Welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, South Campus, good to have you guys with us today as well. Uh, I'm going to start off by doing something a little different today. Usually, um, a sermon is something that you just kind of sit and listen to. You guys stay down there. I stay up here. I talk. You guys don't talk. It goes very well when there's very limited audience participation. I do enjoy a nice yes and amen every now and then. I'll even take a good affirming head nod. Maybe even a head nod with an hmm. Hmm. You know, like we're maritimers. We're not going to get too lively. But a hmm. I'll take that every now and then. But, but sermons work best when, when you're there and I'm here. And if that ever changes without my awareness, I'd get super stressed out. Like if all of a sudden you're up here and I didn't know why you're, it's just going to be bad. And so that's usually how things go. Tonight, though, I, I want to have a little bit of audience participation. And so I'm going to invite someone up on the stage with me. We're going to play a quick game tonight. Uh, and I'm going to pick on Dave. Dave Rowe, come on up here. Uh, Dave does not know what's about to happen. And so you just got to trust me on this. But Dave's going to play a game with us tonight. And uh, why don't you come on up, Dave? It's been a long time since you've been up here on stage. And so I know you're nervous up here in front of everyone. But we're going to play a quick game. And uh, this game is called Beat the Clock. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock, literally, behind us, okay? And you've got 30 seconds, okay, to beat the clock. And I need you to try your best. I'm going to need you to concentrate. I'm going to need you to just kind of put your, your best foot forward. Are you ready? All right, beat the clock. 28 seconds left to beat the clock, Dave. All right, we're going to pause. We're going to pause right here for a second. Dave, you're down to 21. You haven't done much. I mean, we're, this is 21 seconds. It's not a lot of time. And so we're, we're going to start it again, but I, I need you to try a little bit harder, okay? All right, let's go. Let's beat the clock. This is not going well, Dave. Down to 10 seconds. This is, man, oh man, I have never played this game so poorly. Oh, you're not allowed to look at the cheat sheet, Dave. <laughs> oh, all right, everyone give Dave a hand. He beat the clock, you guys. You can go take a seat. Ah, oh, this is great. Have you ever seen anyone play Beat the Clock before? Have you ever heard of anyone play Beat the Clock before? Uh, beat the Clock was an old segment on David Letterman's late night show. And he would go next door to the restaurant that was beside the studio and just do exactly what I just did. He went, all right, all right, you guys, 30 seconds on the clock. It's going to be important. Try your best. Beat the clock. And the, the numbers would just start counting down and people would be completely perplexed because there was no guidance. There was no rules. They had no idea what they were supposed to do. It usually got incredibly awkward, which made it even better. And it was the whole point of the thing. Because what happens when you see a clock ticking down is that Dave demonstrated it very well. You start to get a little stressed out, right? You're like, what are we counting down to? What's going to happen when it gets to zero? What should I be doing right now? I don't know how I should be utilizing my time. And, and you just kind of get this anxiety, right? With, oh man, time's running out. What am I supposed to be doing? And, and life is like that, isn't it? When you realize that time is running out and a deadline is approaching and you start to get full of anxiety and like, oh man, like how many of you are procrastinators? Anyone? Yeah, you were late to raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> procrastinators are really just people who play beat the clock every day. 
right? You wait until the last possible minute and then you use that deadline as, you know, a, a countdown kind of to spur you on into action. For procrastinators, it is not a problem. It is a strategy, right? You're using a deadline as a strategy and, and you're using that stress to motivate you to finally get something done. And so what happens is like you go to university and you get your syllabus and you're like, all right, four months, this paper will be due. Four months! You could research this thing. You could read and prepare and outline it and get, you've got so much time, four months. You will wait till there are four days. And then you will think, I should get started on this tomorrow, right? And then you'll leave it to the last minute, stay up late, stress yourself out, drink 19 liters of coffee and, and, and think, man, I could have done this ages ago, but I waited until the last minute. Has anyone been there, right? You've, you've all kind of done this. Some of you are there now. Tomorrow is your deadline. Monday. Um, and, and so you think, well, I'm not in school anymore if you're not, and so I don't procrastinate lies. I've learned that adults procrastinate all the time. How many of you wait until the very last possible day to go renew your registration at Service New Brunswick? You're like, oh, it's due in February. I got like 28 more days. This is going to be great. Or uh, here's where I'm really bad is with my kids' permission slips for school. My kid will bring home a permission slip and hand it to me and say, dad, can you sign this and give me five bucks for going on a field trip? Yeah, sure, I can do that. When's this due? Like, when are you going? It's not for three more weeks. Oh, <laughs> leave it up on the table. We'll get to that later. We won't. We will get to it 20 days later, and then we will have a panicky search party all through the house for this cursed permission slip. We won't be able to find it. Should have done it three weeks ago. We did not. We did not. And we never do. I want to talk about time today. I want to talk about how we use our time, how we waste our time, how we mismanage our time, how we spend our time, how we prioritize our time, how we let it motivate us, because time is one of those things that's really relevant for all of us, like you're using it right now. You are literally running out of time in this very moment. If we were playing beat the clock, you would see a countdown and it would just be counting down right now, right? You only have so much time to spend, so much time in a day, so much time in a week. You chose to spend some of your time with us tonight, today. Job well done. I hope you feel like it's not a waste of your time. If I just stood here awkwardly for the next 20 minutes, some of you would go home thinking that was a waste of my time. Right? And that, that's kind of how we think about time. When it goes poorly, we're like, well, that was a waste of my time. And, and really, that's code for, I would have chose to spend that time on something different. I would have I done something better with my time. But here's the thing. When you get that time, when, when you have those pockets of time in your life, you just end up wasting them anyway. You're like, finally, some free time. And then you do nothing. Right? And you look at your phone for four hours, and you're like, where did the night go? We're not necessarily super with our time. And so a lot of us wrestle with our time. We, we think... We don't have enough. How many of you have said, I don't have enough time. I wish I had more time. Uh, if we could just get a little bit more time. I wish I could manage my time better. And so we're going to take some time and talk about time today. Because the bottom line is that there is no more valuable resource in your life than time. Time is the most important, valuable resource that God has given us. It is far more valuable than money because you cannot save it up. You cannot pocket it for a rainy day. You don't get to go into debt with time. There is no overdraft with time. What you've got is all you've got. And, and so it is running out, right? So in that sense, time is the great equalizer. 
because everyone on the planet gets the exact same amount. Today, you all got 24 hours. No one got any more than anyone else. No one's is running out faster than anyone else. You can't slow yours, right? It doesn't matter who you are, how busy you are, how powerful you are, how influential you are, how not those things you might be. You're all going to end up with the same amount of time today. You're all going to get 24 hours unless sometimes later and you don't. But anyway, that would be awkward. That would make this a creepy sermon later. So you're all going to get 168 hours this week. That's what we're all going to get. The question is, how will you use it? What are you going to do with it? How are you using your time? And so the reason we're talking about this uh, is that we are midway through the series on the book of Ecclesiastes, learning what Solomon kind of learned through his life. And we've talked about work. We've talked about fun. We've talked about death. We've talked about the problem of evil. We've gotten all over the map, which is really what it's like to read the book of Ecclesiastes. But one of the ongoing themes that shows up in this book is Solomon talking about time, how we should use our time, what time looks like, what the way that we should live in our lives when it comes to our time, wisdom, really. And so he rather famously wrote these words in chapter three. You've probably seen these or heard these at some point in your life. Verse one, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to on and on and on and on it goes. He does this for quite a while. And, and, and he's basically saying that life is made up of all of these seasons. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them are fun, some of them are hard. And, and basically saying if you're in a really hard one right now, chin up, it's not going to last forever. And if you're in a really fun one right now, that's great, enjoy it. It's also not going to last forever. And he's kind of got this poetic look at time in the sense of it's all about seasons. And a lot of the time, you don't even have any control over what season you find yourself in. Life is hills and valleys, and sometimes it's just going like this, and you didn't really have anything to say about it at all. You, You can't even control necessarily the seasons of life you find yourself in. It's like the real seasons. I have no say in when winter ends. I wish I did. It would be over today, right? But I don't. But I do know that winter will end, and that is what gives me hope in February. For at least every one of the years I've been on this planet, winter has ended, spring has come, and the snow melts. Amen. But I don't have any say in when that happens. I just know that it will. Right? And so maybe that can be an encouragement for you today. If you find yourself in a really difficult, painful season, know that it won't last forever. Spring's coming, and that's good. And so Solomon's saying life is kind of like seasons that come and go. Um, but then he gets a little bit more specific about time. He's like, yeah, you don't have any control over the seasons necessarily, but you definitely have control over your days. And it's up to you with what you're doing in those seasons that matters. And he says this. This is later on in chapter 11, verse 1. Send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. It's deep. Uh, Verse 4, he goes on. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. And just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. 
So plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for if you don't know, you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. So I know he's kind of all over the map there a little bit, but what he is saying is you should use your time wisely. What is it you're doing with your days? You should be investing. You should be thinking about it. You, you should be making right decisions. You should be keeping busy. Time should not just be kind of flying by. You should not just be a spectator to the time that's in your life, but you should be taking hold of it and doing something with it and being wise with it. He's like, you, you should make investments. You don't know how it's going to go or when it's going to go, but you should do something, right? You, you should be actively involved in using your time wisely. So God has not given you breath in your lungs and 24 hours in your days so that you can just kind of sit by and let time pass. He's expecting us to do something with it. And, and sometimes we kind of stall out when we, when we think about this or when we realize how we've been spending our time. Uh, it's like the farmer, he said, who's not going to plant until the weather is perfect. Conditions have to be perfect for me to step out and do something. And maybe you've heard people talk like this. Maybe you've heard people say, well, I'd, I'd really like to go do this big thing, but it's got to be just right. I'm not going to have kids until the timing is just right. I mean, I'm going to need a great job. My wife's going to need a great job. We're going to have to make a certain amount of money. We're going to have to get a certain amount of time off. We're going to have a whole bunch of money saved up, little nest egg. We're not going to have a baby until her college is paid off and there's a car in the driveway for her. And we can't have a baby right now because if we got pregnant tonight, she'd be a November baby. That's way too close to Christmas, and that would be way too confusing. And so, and, and people just wait and wait and wait and wait until all of a sudden the time comes. You're way too old to have kids because you waited for things to be just right. And Solomon's saying, well, don't do that. You've got today. Do something with it. You've got today. Make wise choices. Think of the future. Use it wisely. Time isn't something to just kind of let go by. And so Solomon would encourage us to do something. And so that's really the key that I want to focus on today is what are you doing with your time? Because it's moving forward regardless. With or without your permission, time is going to pass today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's what you're doing with it that matters. And so here's three really quick truths about time that I want us to understand and know tonight. First, your time is God's. Your time is God's time. He gave it to you. He decided how much you were going to get. God is outside time. He is above time. He is not limited by time. The Bible says in Genesis, in the beginning was God. He, he was there before the beginning, which hurts the head a little bit, but he's just always been. In fact, the book of Revelation says that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He bookends time. He decides when it starts. He decides when it's done. He's, he's outside of it, looking over all of it, and he has given you some of it. Everything we have is from God. The Psalms say, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's his day, and he gave it to you. What are you doing with it? This is Job chapter 14, verse 5. Job says, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. Your time is God's time. It's from him. And here's the truth, is that whenever God gives you anything, it comes with responsibility. Whenever God gives you anything, it comes with an expectation. God has not and will not ever give you something and say, I don't care what you do with this. Will never happen. God will always give you something and say, I expect you to use this well, and you will be held accountable for it. And the same thing is true with your time. He has given it to you as a gift 
but he is wanting you to use it well, and you will have to own up to it someday. Solomon later writes this in 11 verse 9. He says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So here, take it all in. It's going to be great. Enjoy it. Use it well. But I'm giving it to you with some expectations. I'm giving it to you with some responsibilities. What is it you are going to do with your time? And so you are living within the parameters of time that God has given you. And that's as much as you'll get. And he's wanting you to use it well. So that's the first truth. Your time is God's. The second truth is this, is that your time is short. Your time is short. Uh, God has given us time, but it's not a lot. We talked about this last week. Your time here on this earth, in the grand scheme of things, in light of eternity, that fast. It is the blink of an eye. We are not here for very long. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Our time is short. And I know it might not seem like that when you're in a season that seems to be dragging on. Right? There are times in your life when someone will say, oh, time is flying by. And you will think, no, it is absolutely not. I remember as a kid especially, you'd count down to everything. Count down to Christmas starts in August, right? You're, and someone will say, oh, just enjoy the wait. That's what makes Christmas so fun. You're like, no. No, Christmas is what makes Christmas fun, right? And you're counting down. If you're in school, the bell rings at three. You start watching that thing as soon as lunch ends. And you were watching that hand go, 2.30 goes to 2.29, and you're like, what? No! You're angry, time is crawling. And then you grow up and you have kids, and you have babies, and they don't sleep at night, and someone will say, oh, you'll miss this someday. You'll miss this. (laughs) No. And you get a kid who is up all night, 3.15 in the morning, colicky baby, night after night after night after night after night after night. Y'all miss this. False. I will not miss this at all. Right? And then, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear the classic line, they just grow up so fast. Good. I hope they do. And they don't, and it doesn't go that fast, but you know what? It kills me to say this. I look at them now and I think, oh man, all of those people were right. It flew. It flew. Like, I, I remember middle school. I'm not that old that I can't remember middle school. Now I've got two kids in middle school. Only old people have two kids in middle school. And I know, this is not fair, right? It has flown by. It has flown by. And there's that old saying, and it is so true, the days are long, but the years are fast. (laughs) Psalm 39 ain't lying. Our time is brief and fleeting and short. And that's actually helpful for us to know. That should change the way that we live, knowing that time is short. Here's what Psalm 90 verse 12 says. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. See, knowing your time is short should should help kind of spur you on to make sure that you're living with wisdom. I don't have a long time here. I better make the most of it. I'm not given a lot of time. I better use it wisely. So our time is God's and our time is short. And finally, our time is uncertain. 
Our time is very uncertain. That's the big twist on this whole time thing, is that no one knows how much they get. No one is given a heads up on this. No one is given a countdown clock. We, we have no clue. At the end of the day, we are all just playing beat the clock. We just know the time is running out and we don't know when it will end and what is going to happen, right? And so for a lot of people, man, that is alarming. It shouldn't be if you're a follower of Christ. The Bible says that you are already a citizen of heaven. Well, we're just visiting here. And we're on temporary visas. We just don't know when they run out. Our time is uncertain. And, and like I said, some people, that drives them crazy. There are people who, like, you are that person who has an itinerary for your vacation. You know exactly what is going to happen every day, every minute. You are that person who not only has a plan B, you have a very detailed strategic plan B. Potentially with a C and D to follow behind it. Right? You are just detail people to the core. You do not like uncertainty. And so this, this kind of kills us a little bit to not know. We don't like to think about this part of it because it freaks us out a little bit. But James 4.13 actually cautions us about being too confident with our time. James writes, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year, we'll do business and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. All right, and what James isn't saying here, he's not saying you shouldn't even plan ahead. Quit making plans. Quit being so detailed. Right? You can't use James 4.13 as an excuse for your procrastination. Right? The Bible told me not to plan ahead. It's not going to fly. What James is saying is that you shouldn't be so overly confident and, and pretentious with your assumptions about time. Oh, I've got plenty of time. I know how long I've got. Oh, here's my five-year plan. I'll put that off until tomorrow. I'm, I'm sure that we'll have time to do that later on. And, and the Bible's kind of going like, no, no, no. You get comfortable with being uncertain. You need to get used to being uncertain. We don't get a heads up. We don't know how long we've got. We think we know how long we'll be here, don't we? We think we do. We, we have that as, oh, yeah, I'll live eight or nine decades, maybe longer. That'll be great. A lot of people don't. We have no idea. The Bible says, don't get too, too overconfident with your time. Your time is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen. And so we need to live with that idea of uncertainty. So our time is God's, our time is short, and our time is uncertain. So how should we be spending our time? If all of those things are true, shouldn't that change the way we spend our time? Because right, here's the thing, knowing those things should actually change the way that you're managing your time. If you believe those things and know those things, it should change the way that you're living your life. See, the problem is that those three truths aren't necessarily at the forefront of our mind all the time when we're filling our calendar in. Right? When, when we're kind of deciding what to do, we're, we're not thinking, like someone doesn't call you up and say, hey, you want to go see a movie tonight? I don't know, my time on earth is pretty uncertain. <laughs> never said that. You're not thinking of it. You're like, yeah, no, I got a few hours. Oh, no, I can't do that tonight, right? We don't think about our, the uncertainty of time. We don't think about how short our time. We, we think, I got all the time in the world. I'll put that off. We'll go do that later. I'll go to Disney someday in 14 years when I save up enough money. I'll go to whatever and we'll do that thing. And 
And we, man, we're not in any rush at all to do some of that stuff. Like here's, here's kind of a question I want to give you guys. What if you knew at some point in the next year, some point in the next 365 days, that was it? Your time was done. Your clock was going to run out. It's a little more, but I know. Just go with me on this. What if you knew that countdown was not going to make it for a full year? Would that not change the way you live your life? You would change an awful lot of things if you knew this was your last year. You would change the way you live if you believed that your time here was short. I mean, we see that happen all the time. People get this diagnosis and they find out, listen, you've got six to 12 months or you've got maybe three years or whatever, and everything changes. Priorities change dramatically. How you live your life changes dramatically. Work suddenly doesn't seem so important. That meeting doesn't seem so pressing all of a sudden, but other things start to take precedence. Family all of, all of a sudden becomes the main priority. Faith becomes a significant priority. You would start recognizing the value of every single day, every hour. You would understand that every moment counts. You wouldn't want to waste any time. You wouldn't want to get too flippant with your time. You would want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can with the time I've got left. Agreed? So why can't we live like that now? Why can't we live with that kind of assumption that, oh man, I do have limited time here and it is uncertain and it's important what I do with it because God is going to ask me what I did with it. Shouldn't you live every day with the idea that I better not waste this. I better not treat this as flippant. I better, I better kind of make sure that my main priorities are my main priorities. I better live that way. It's not just a daydreaming scenario, that's real life. So if it's true that your time is his, and that it is short, and that it is uncertain, shouldn't that then change the way you use your time? The Bible actually tells us to live like this. Ephesians 5.15 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity, he writes. You will never hear me say this probably again in your life, but I actually love what the King James says here instead. <laughs> Basically says, make sure you are redeeming the time. Redeem the time you've been given. Redeem your days. In other words, it might be hard and the world might be evil and there are things that are difficult, but you can redeem those days. You can take every day and make it good. You can take every day, live it for his glory. You can take every day and use it in such a way that you're bringing honor to him, that, that you're utilizing it well so that when you stand before him someday, you can say, God, I honored you with the way that I lived my life. Let's work hard to redeem the days. Now, if you knew today was your last day on earth, what would you regret about how you spent your time? If you knew this was it, oh, that was well-timed. Good grief. Having a panic attack. Well done, light person. Audience participation. If you knew that today was it, what would you regret about the way you spent your time? What would you look back on and think, ah, I wish I had of. I should have done that thing. Is it, I should have had that conversation with that person? Is it, I should have restored that relationship? 
Is it I should have asked forgiveness? Is it I should have just simply spent more time with my kids than I did? What about this one? Is it knowing that you had people in your life that knew Jesus and you never told them? Those conversations you thought, ah, I should really tell them, but like the farmer who waited for perfect conditions, it wasn't the right time, it didn't seem like the right moment, I was afraid of what they would say, I was afraid of what they would think, so I didn't do it. What would you regret? And what could you do to fix that today? Because if you know what it is, and you probably do, then what can you do about it? What can you fix about it today? Stop waiting and redeem your days. Stop putting it off and redeem the time you have been given. Because I have conversations with people every week who come to me and they ask advice. They really know the answer. They really know the answer. I've got people who, who say to me, I'd, man, I'd love to spend more time with my family, but work is just so crazy, you know? I wish I could spend less time on my phone, but man, it's just people trying to get a hold of me. I wish I spent more quality time with my husband or my wife, but our schedules don't align. And I wish I could make church more of a priority. Sorry, I'm not there, you know, once every couple months or so I only make it, but you know how life is. And I'd love to be able to volunteer, but you know the demands of life and on and on and on they go. What will you regret not doing? And what could you do to fix it today? Because I hear people say, I don't have the time. Lies. Everyone's got the exact same amount of time. No one's got more than you. No one's got less with you. Don't say I don't have the time. You make the time. You choose what to do with your time. You prioritize your time. People will say, well, where do they find the time? They decided in advance who to give it to. And you can also do that with your life. So I want to challenge us to redeem our days by reprioritizing our calendars. I want you to look at your life, look at the busyness, look at your schedule, look at your priorities, figure out where things are out of whack and do what you can to bring them back around. If you feel like your calendar is controlling you more than you are controlling your calendar, something's wrong. And we need to use our days wisely. So I want to get us started on this. Here's, here's a good step one, good question for us to start with. Does your calendar look like the calendar of someone who is seeking first the kingdom? Does your calendar look like the calendar of someone who is seeking first the kingdom of God? If you're here and you're a follower of Christ, is that not what we are told in the Bible? Seek first the kingdom of God. That is our first priority. And I don't just mean church. I mean Jesus. I mean your walk with him. How many of you say every day, I didn't really have time to read the Bible today. I don't know, where do you find the time to read? I didn't have a lot of time to pray today. Where do people find the time to pray? And the morning is, is hard and I can't get up. And the nighttime, I'm so tired, but in between's filled right up. Are you seeking first the kingdom? How are you spending your time? People make the time, right? Where do you find time for all this Jesus stuff? I decided in advance that it was my first priority. And I live my life accordingly. Does your calendar look like that? Realize that church is just one hour a week or an hour and a half or whatever it is. Right? You have 168 hours. Church took one. You've got 167 left. I'm not super concerned about the one you gave to us. I think it's great. You should prioritize church super. I'm actually more concerned about what you're doing with the other 167. How are you prioritizing Christ in your life with those hours? 
How are you seeking first the kingdom with those hours? Your walk with Christ, your time in the word, your time in prayer, your time evangelizing, your time building relationships, your time serving the least of these. What are you doing with your life to seek first the kingdom? So that's one start. That's step one. And the other stuff is up to you. How do you need to reprioritize your time? If there was some freak accident of nature that like eliminated everyone's calendar completely, entirely, gone, and you had a blank slate to start with, how many of you would change from what it currently looks like? How many would you think, oh man, that's, I just wipe off everything, all those activities, all those sports, all those different events, all that stuff, oh, that'd be so great, and you can just start fresh and fill in with what you want. If that seems like, ah, good for you, you can choose to do that. You are the one who is in control of your time. God has given it to you and has said, use this well. The best way to accomplish having made the most of your life is by making the most of your days. Your time is God's, your time is short, and your time is uncertain. So let's use it well, let's honor him well, And let's be able to stand before him someday and say, I did everything I possibly could for you. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us today. God, you're good, and we are so grateful for the time that we've had today. But I I pray, God, for the person that's in this room that is stressed out by their calendar, terrified by their agenda, feeling burnt out by the, the demands of work or school or all the other stuff that's going on. I pray, Holy Spirit, in this moment now, you would give them this overwhelming peace and the strength to do something about it. Help us to reprioritize our lives so that we look first and foremost like your followers, your people, that we put the kingdom above all other things, that you would help us to to know what is good and right, the way to walk, the things to do. Maybe we just need the strength to kind of cut some stuff out of our lives, even good things. It'll be hard, but God, I pray you'd help us. We want to honor you and we want to do well. And so I pray for these families that are exhausted and I pray that you would give them a sense of refreshing and a sense of restart. I pray for people who are getting burnt out by their work or whatever it is, God, I pray that you would give them the ability to stand up and take control of their time. Give them strength. God, I pray that we would be a church that looks like people who have modeled our calendars so that we are seeking first the kingdom of God. Not just with church service, not not just with, well, I help out in kids ministry an hour a week. I mean, every day of the week, how does it look like us to live for you first and foremost? pray that you would change us, change our families, change our church so that we can change the world the way that you have called us to do. You are good and we need your help. And we ask that you'd give us that strength today in your name, Jesus. Amen.